So last week, Pastor Ricky shared the message of Jonah in chapter one and how Jonah decided that instead of being obedient, he was gonna find himself on a boat to Tarshish and he was going to run away from God. And we hear what happened at that point in time. He found himself in the belly of a fish and then uh, we hear in chapter two, uh, Jonah prays to God and, and, uh, and experiences a, a change while he's there in the belly of the fish. And the chapter ends with him being spit out onto the land. So this week, we're gonna pick up with chapter three and hear about Jonah's experience and, and what happened once he was back on land and out of the belly in the fish. We begin with the scripture from Jonah chapter three, verses one through three. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. So Jonah went. Now for a moment, let's talk about Nineveh. Why was Jonah so afraid of going to Nineveh? And what was the deal with Nineveh in the first place that, that inspired Jonah to run from God instead of just going there? Well, we're gonna find that sometimes we're asked to do things that we don't wanna do. So just to talk about Nineveh for a second, Nineveh at the time of Jonah was under the control of the Assyrians. And as a matter of fact, it was the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrians were longtime enemies of the Hebrew people. Now, I've preached about the, the nature of the Assyrians before and the relationship between the Hebrew and the Assyrian people. And just as a refresher, the Assyrians were tough. And I don't mean tough in the, 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 the sense that, oh, they looked tough or they acted tough. They were tough. When they went to war, they didn't just defeat their enemies. They wanted to humiliate them. They wanted to make them suffer. And so they were known for their brutality during war. As a matter of fact, it said that they were so ruthless. And even if their reputation for their ruthlessness was just reputation, they were said that they were so brutal that they would eat their enemies. Now, I don't mean that they would eat with their enemies and sit around a table. They literally ate their enemies. There's, there's talk of a leader that, that was defeated and that the Syrian leaders chopped them up into little pieces and consumed them over time. Pastor Gill mentioned that, uh, that there was a, that there's stories of uh, the nature of the Assyrians torturing somebody and if they passed out, they would throw water on them to wake them up to make sure they could continue to experience it. So if we sit there and think about that, then the nature of of Jonah, we can understand maybe why Jonah wouldn't want to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was also one of the largest cities in antiquity. It was the center of travel and commerce. It was likely the largest city in the world at the time. And by the way, it was also dedicated to the Assyrian goddess Ishtar, who was the goddess of war. You can get the picture of what, what Jonah was afraid of dealing with. And by the way, anything goes in Nineveh. Not a city known for its less than sinful behavior. I think of Las Vegas as being a lightweight equivalent. You know, they say that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. 
know, what happened in Nineveh, I'm sure, stayed there too. And probably with good reason. So if we think about this, Jonah likely did not want to be the voice of God to such a crowd. And remember, in chapter one, we hear that the message that Jonah was to take to the Ninevites was this. They were to receive the judgment of God because they were a wicked people. I can imagine that this definitely was not the message that Jonah wanted to deliver to these people. And I, you know, I was thinking back and I was thinking about times in my life where, um, where I've had conversations with people that I didn't love having. Uh, but I was also thinking about this. When, when I was young, I worked in retail and I was, a, I was an appliance salesman. And one of the things that I found is I hated constantly saying yes. Hi, I have a 12-year-old phone and no box. I'm not sure I can even bought this phone here. Can I return it? Yes. <laughs> yes, we'll take that back. I was a commission salesman too. That came out of my pocket. So here's what happened. I prayed for a time and a job where I could say no. God heard my prayer. He'd made me an insurance claim handler. <laughs> It's true. It's true. <laughs> what job did I get? I got a job where I was a professional at saying no. Let me tell you something. People don't like hearing no. They really don't. Do you ever feel like that, though? Do you ever feel that there are times that you have to deliver a message to somebody that you know they don't want to hear? At a time that you're going to say something that's not going to be all that popular? Do you ever find a time where maybe you're asked to be God's representative in something and you're like, oh, no, God. You know, one of the things I find that's tough here in the modern world uh, is the nature of how people respond to us when we tell people that we're Christian. I find it amazing that I, I can go up to somebody and tell them uh, that I'm a Christian and it immediately changes the response uh, that, I, that I find from people. And the thing is, you don't even need to clarify like what, what your denomination is or what your beliefs are. Just simply saying to somebody, I'm a Christian, um, has an, an impact on, on relationships and how people see you. And, and I can tell you um, that I've had, it ex- I, I've had the experience and I will tell you that it's amplifold tenfold when I tell people that I'm a pastor. And it's an amazing thing to me because either people take me in one way or the other. Either they, they elevate me to being something that is totally overly sanctified as though I am an angel who has descended from heaven. No. <laughs> or, or that I'm some religious fanatic. And there's very little middle ground. But what I've come to find is it's very dependent on what a person's relationship is with the church. But, but the thing is, it, it changes the relationships. It changes the way people react to us. Um, a few years ago, I was chaperoning a trip uh, with my girls on their school camping trip, and I was having a great time, and I was really connecting with the other guys in the cabin. We were overseeing these kids, and, and, and we were really clicking until one simple question was asked to me by one of the guys. And one of the guys said to me, what do you do for a living? 
And I said, I'm a pastor. And immediately things change. As a matter of fact, it was really, really immediate because the man looked at me, the, the man who asked me was like, oh, I'm sorry, Father. <laughs> if there was anything that I said that was offensive, and I said that word, and dude, how are you married? That was, that was, that was the next question. Dude, how are you married? And I said, listen, I'm, a pr- I'm, I'm not a priest, I'm a pastor. And, and know this, I, I'm, I'm not specially anointed. Like I said, I, I don't fly with the angels. I'm not elevated. My, my passion when it comes to Christ is bringing Christ to others and helping people get to know who Jesus is. I don't live without sin. I drive on 422 every day. <laughs> But the thing is this, after that moment, things were different. The experience and, and, and what the, the relationship that I had and that I was building with these people uh, immediately changed. So I've come to understand a little bit of what gave Jonah some anxiety and why Jonah was just a little bit nervous about the nature of going to Nineveh and delivering this message. But as we know, Jonah found out, you you can't run from God. So here's the good news. Our God is a God of second chances. And, And in my notes, absolutely, in my notes, I even put second into brackets because here's the thing, our God's not just a God of second chances. He gives us thirds and fourths. You see, God knows that we don't always do it his way. But the good news is, is that he's still there with us. Jonah's given a second chance by God, and by the way, in doing so, he's not reminded by God that this is the second time he asks. This is one of the things I love about this passage of scripture, is that God doesn't say to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and this is the second time I'm asking. God simply tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. And by the way, it's not just Jonah who's experienced these second chances. As we go through the Bible, there are tons of second chance stories. Most of the people that we experience in the Bible are second chance stories. Moses, David, Samson, Peter, Paul, Mark. All of them experience some form of second chance. Moses says, no, here, my brother Aaron, much better choice. We know how that worked out. God gave Samson his strength back for one final act. Peter denies Jesus, and then Jesus tells him to feed his sheep. Paul persecuted Christians to perfection. And how much of our church foundation is built on his work? Paul walked, or Mark walked away from the ministry and then wrote a gospel. The Bible is filled of stories of people who needed a second chance. But Psalm 86, verse 15 says this, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. God is pulling for us. God wants us to succeed. He wanted Jonas to succeed. 
He wants you to take that second chance. Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 30 through 32. Therefore, I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the sovereign Lord. Repent and turn away from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. God wants us to succeed. God's saying, in a moment of judgment, I'm going to judge, but here's the thing, turn away and repent. I'm pulling for you. And I get this, I understand this. As a teacher, I don't give tests because I want my students to fail. I want them to succeed. I'm always amazed when I have students who who will say to me, do you enjoy marking things wrong? (laughs) No, no, it's painful. I, I, I want them to do well. I don't want them to fail. And by the way, I'm the disciplinarian at my school. I'm not sitting there rooting for my students to do wrong. I want them to do right. These are the moments. These are the things that we do. God is the same way. He wants us to repent. He wants us to do things his way. And here's the great news, is that when they do, and when good things, when we do the things that God wants us to do, here's the awesome thing. Good things happen. When the Lord is behind the work, good things happen. So Jonah goes to Nineveh, and what happens? He tells the Ninevites what he was instructed to do. Chapter three, verses four through five. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. The people heard the message And the reason they heard it is that the message was what God wanted them to hear. It was God's desire for them to hear the message. And Jonah's actions are what God commanded him to do. But wait, there's even more. In chapter three, verses six through nine, we hear when the king of Nineveh, the king, heard what Jonah was saying. He stepped down from his throne. He took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree through the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Could this get any better for Jonah? Not only did the people hear his message, but the king heard his message. And the king issues a decree for everybody to mourn and to repent. Now consider what we've heard in this story. Pastor Ricky talked about this last week as well. But I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about the number of people who have now prayed to God. 
The sailors on the boat prayed. Jonah prayed. The people of Nineveh prayed. And the king of the Assyrians prayed. What does that mean for us? How should we respond? And by the way, who were they praying to? They were praying to Jonah's God. They're praying to our God. The message that Jonah sent reached each and every person. So in the end, what do you think happened? Remember, God was for this. Verse 10 says, when God saw what they had done and how they put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. When God saw the actions of the Ninevites and the actions of their repentance, he did not destroy them. Again, we see a reiteration of the message that God is there rooting for us. God is looking for us to be successful. There was plenty of evidence to destroy the Ninevites, but God saw their repentance and heard from them. So let me ask you this. What's your Nineveh? What's stopping you? What's God calling you to do that maybe you're feeling like that you want to get into a boat and you want to sail as far away from possible? But here's the thing. When God asks for us to do something, we're blessed. Now, it may not be something that we look at that's going to grant us earthly perfection. We may not find joy in exactly what we do, and we may find some struggle in it. But very likely, God's been asking you to do something. And at some point in time, God's put something on your heart. Now, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, notes that many through faith have accomplished really awesome things. And I'm not going to go into detail, but I I challenge each of you to take a look at Hebrews chapter 11. And one of the things you're going to see is, as I noted earlier, Jonah was not alone in this. There are many things and many challenges that people have faced in the Bible. In chapter 11, they summarize it. And in the end, even in chapter 11, they say, and by the way, it's not always perfect. But in chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, verse 1, we're left with this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with the endurance, the race that God has set before us. We're in the same line as Jonah. And of all those other people who have stepped out and done something as an act of faith. And what I picture in that piece of Hebrews is all these other Christians who are sitting there cheering you on just like God does. And I I picture the nature of, of us being encouraged to reach the finish line of the race. That as we overcome our own personal Nineveh, that we're going to experience that, and we've got all these people pulling for us, just like Jonah. So this week I ask you, what are you being called to do? What's your Nineveh? And remember, the God of second chances is rooting for you too. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you for the blessings upon us. I... Lord, I thank you for being a God of second chances. That, Father, there are times that we are asked to do things, and, Lord, we we go the other way. 
And Father, I know that there are Ninevehs out there. There are, there are things in our world that we look at and say, Lord, I, I can't do that. It's just too scary. Or Father, we're, we're asked to, to, to do something that may be out of our comfort zone. But Father, we know that when, when we do what you want us to do, and it's at your will, good things happen. Father, for that, we give you thanks. And Father, we're also thankful that in the midst of what, whatever ills and whatever things that we have done, Lord, that you've forgiven us through your son, Jesus, who came to earth as a, a sacrifice to, for all of our sins, that we would glow, grow closer to you. So Father, we just give you praise and thanks for all you do, for all the days of our life, for the blessings that you have given Jonah and all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Rob, for that message. And 